morning, everyone. You're listening to Mornings with Pastor Adam on the West Coast Bible Teacher Podcast. We've reached Thursday, and uh, you should certainly know by now um, whether or not this was a good week, or at least by the end of the day, you should certainly know. Um, I think I've been saying that every week now when we hit Thursday. Um, I guess that'll be a regular thing. But I do hope you all have had a good week. Um, but there's a uh, there's a strong possibility, because this is just how it is, that some of you who are listening have not had a very good week so far. Because that's life. Sometimes we don't have good weeks. And we all have bad days. I don't like it when I hear people say things like, Oh, man, I, I only have good days, you know. <laughs> Alright, well... What does that mean? Sure, it's important to be optimistic. And I guess we should uh, make it our goal that every day is productive. Perhaps a better motto would be, I only have productive days. But even with that, we all have days that aren't particularly productive. We do have days where things go wrong. At our jobs. At home. And, you know, wherever else. That's why after a while, it's like, all right, let, let, let's not deny reality. Let's acknowledge the fact that, yes, sometimes we have bad days. I remember back when I worked at retail, uh, at a retail job uh, uh, years ago. Um, one day I experienced uh, a lot of rough stuff on the job. And this particular job was overall just incredibly stressful. I was working in an environment where, you know, <laughs> I had to call people and tell them that they were overdue on their payments and account balances and all, and, you know, would direct people to collections, offices, and and all that good stuff, you know, and so <laughs> you can imagine, uh, yeah, it, it, it sucked, you know. <laughs> people cussing at me in like 10 different languages every day, <laughs> and I'm just like, yo, you know, I, I just work here. I'm 19 years old. At the time, you know, I was uh, only 19. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just the messenger. Don't try to murder the messenger over the phone. <laughs> One time this lady told me over the phone, if you don't straighten this out for me right now, you know, I'm, I'm taking the company you work for to court. <laughs> and I was thinking, uh, all right, um, <laughs> you know, it, how, how does that affect me? You, you know, she she made it sound like I would be somehow affected by that. And I'm like, okay, how's that going to hurt me? It, it, I just work the front desk. Okay. Another guy told, uh, told me the same thing actually over the phone one day. Um, he actually worked for a baseball stadium that was uh, close to this business I was at. And he was talking to me over the phone. He was using profanity and all. And he was like, you know, dude, I'm not I'm not effing around. I will sue you guys and, and all this stuff, you know. And, and But, but you know, talking as if, like, I somehow would be effective, affected if he, if he took the corporation I worked for to court. <laughs> you know, like, dude, I'm just the front desk guy. And then the same guy came in a couple of weeks later. And I met him in person. He came into our business. And I'm like, oh, yeah, hey, I talked to you over the phone last week, you know, and he's like, oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I, oh, yeah, oh, okay, see ya, you know, <laughs> didn't want to look me at me in the eye, you know, when he saw me in person. But back to, I guess, where I was going with this, um, there was one day in particular where, I don't know, I guess things were just going incredibly bad. 
One of those days where I was behind the front desk just, uh, you know, pulling my hair out, stressed. I think a lot of us have had those types of days when we're on the job. And I remember when my shift ended. I walked back to the employee area or, you know, whatever. (laughs) And I walked by this older gentleman who was a real nice guy. He worked for the company. He said to me, hey, how's it going? I said, oh, I'm all right. You know, I, I, I guess everyone has bad days, you know, I told him. And he said to me, oh, no, 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 every day is a good day. It's only a bad day if you make it that. And I remember I wanted to punch him so hard when he said that. <laughs> that made me so mad. At the end of my day when I had to hear that from him. Now, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to acknowledge that we do have certain days that are not so good. Now, right now in my life, at least in the season I'm in, I'm in a season right now where I can absolutely say with confidence that the good days do outweigh the bad. In fact, I feel very grateful and blessed. I feel at times that, you know, at this point in my life that it's rare for me to have, you know, something I can call, you know, a real bad day. But I'm still not going to act like they never occur. Jesus didn't deny the reality that in this world we will experience tough times. There's nothing wrong with acknowledging your pain, your sadness, when you're experiencing it. In Ecclesiastes... Solomon, I believe, was accurate when he said there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And then he, of course, goes on to list a number of things, including when he writes a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Mourning, acknowledging your pain and what you have lost. That is biblical. Within the Pentateuch, we see that mourning was a regular practice within the Judaic culture. In Deuteronomy 34, we read that when Moses passed away, the Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. A similar thing we read in the book of Numbers when it records the death of his brother Aaron. We read in Numbers 20.29, When the whole community learned that Aaron had died, all the Israelites mourned for him 30 days. And there are Bible students who believe that this was the conventional time that people mourned within ancient Israel. But yo, Adam, you know, that, that was like Old Testament, man, you know. Right, that's true. Many of the practices of the Judaic culture, and even that of the Mosaic law, many of the ordinances present within the law, we do not practice nowadays. However, an interesting passage that we do get in the New Testament is Matthew 5.4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, Jesus himself acted this out, for we read in John chapter 11, that at the death of Lazarus, he wept. But honestly, what does this mean? Blessed are those who mourn. 
What type of mourners are we dealing with here? That's the first question. Bible students are somewhat split on this one. Some Bible students believe that the mourners Jesus has in view here are those who are undergoing persecution and tribulation. You know, the, uh, the trials and difficulties that followers of Christ indeed will experience. And all trial for that matter. You know, many Bible students believe that, that this is just very general for all trial and difficulty and pain that we undergo in this life. And so, you know, you're, you're just mourning because the burdens of life that you have to experience from time to time. Trial. Persecution. Some of you perhaps have been cut off from family members or in-laws, you know, those who used to be close to, because they don't like that you're now a Christian. And you're in so much pain, you know, you're hurt. You are mourning over this. The fact that you've had to lose loved ones, people that you perhaps grew up with, going to their house, spending time with them, you know, having holidays with them. But now they don't want anything to do with you because of your faith and, and your mourning. Now, that's one interpretation of those who are mourning in this passage. People who are just mourning over all the general things, you know, the, the difficulties that we experience, the trials, particularly, you know, those that, that Christians have to experience because of who they are in Christ. Another interpretation, though, is that the mourners are those who are burdened by the guilt of their sin. And so they are mourning. They are burdened by this weighted guilt. A similar thing, I suppose, to what Martin Luther experienced as a monk. He had that deep wrestling within his conscience. You know, he, he knew he was a sinful man. And so he had guilt. And so he, you know, he, he mourned over this. It's interesting what I have found as a Bible teacher when it comes to certain difficult passages is that often when there are multiple interpretations to a tough passage within the Bible, oftentimes what I found is that you can combine multiple interpretations to form one broader interpretation. Now, it all depends on the passage at hand. But in this case, the broader perspective is that we mourn on this earth because of our personal trials and tribulations. But at the same time, we acknowledge, and this adds to our mourning, that the hardships we face are ultimately as a result of the sin of mankind. D.A. Carson writes, quote, The godly remnant of Jesus' day weeps because of the humiliation of Israel, but they understand that it comes from personal and corporate sins. The psalmist testified, Streams of tears flow from my eyes, for your law is not obeyed. When Jesus preached, the kingdom of heaven is near. He, like John the Baptist before him, expected not jubilation, but contrite tears. It is not enough to acknowledge personal spiritual bankruptcy with a cold heart. Weeping for sins can be deeply poignant and can cover a global as well as personal view of sin and our participation in it. So you see, you're mourning because of a hardship, 
But at the same time, you are also mourning because it is all part of the horrible state of the world we're in due to sin. And we're not exempt from guilt either. In fact, think about how many messes you found yourself in within this life that was a result of your own doing. You realized you made a mistake, but now you're suffering the consequences for it. That's just the way it works. <laughs> a similar thing happened in Second Samuel when the child that David had with Bathsheba passed away. David was mourning and fasting, and praying. But as we know, he was suffering the consequences of his own sin. So those who mourn in Matthew 5 are those who are feeling sadness over the fallen world and everything that comes with it, including our own sins and also experiencing pain and difficulty as a result of the fallenness of the world. Now remember, though, Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Here there is a clear and deliberate hearkening to Isaiah 61. From verse 1 in this chapter in Isaiah we read, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, you see, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Here we read of the coming Messiah, the one who has come to indeed comfort those who mourn. Jesus says the Messiah was on this earth back when he gave the Sermon on the Mount and he was ready to inaugurate his kingdom age. Which he did. Spiritually, we are in the kingdom age. Now, the kingdom age is still yet to reach its full consummation, because physically this earth is still to undergo a spiritual transformation, one of eschatological proportions. That will happen one day upon Christ's return to this earth. But as we are on this earth, we do have access to this comfort, because the kingdom age spiritually has commenced, and the Messiah of Isaiah 61 has come, and he is still with us. Because Jesus told his followers before he ascended to heaven, yea, I am with you always, even till the very end of the age. So Jesus is here. The one who comforts is here. And his presence is here through the Holy Spirit, whom Jesus called the Comforter. Now, you cannot experience the true feeling and significance of the comfort of Jesus without experiencing that of mourning, that of pain, 
that of the fallen state of the world that we live in. You first got to get a taste of the nastiness of this world (laughs) before you can truly appreciate the comforting that comes with having a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is why God allows us to experience suffering. That's why he allows us to experience the effects of this fallen world. Because he wants to show us the magnitude of his grace and why he had to send his son to give his life for the world. Because in reality, all of us deserve to be sent to eternal fire. This messed up world was way too messed up. (laughs) There was no hope. God couldn't let us try to make it on our own. It wasn't by might or power, but solely by God's Spirit that redemption was made possible. God wants you to experience pain to teach you more about His love. And when we go through pain, and we turn to God and cling to Him, and His promises to those who are in Christ Jesus, what happens is that God then has the opportunity to provide for us an incredible, long-lasting, and satisfying comfort. Something that we wouldn't be able to appreciate unless we did experience the pain and weight of this fallen world and what this mess of the world has to offer us. That living water. Jesus said, Those who drink of this well shall never thirst again. So how do you turn your bad day into a good day? We all have bad days. But now the question is, is it possible to take your bad day and turn it into a good day? If you're mourning right now, for whatever reason, you're going through a time right now of mourning, a trial, a difficulty, a depression, circumstantial depression, a tragedy has recently happened in your life or something else very difficult and and, and it's just, you're just mourning. You don't know what else to do. If this is you, today, this week, remind yourself first that the reason why you are mourning is because the world is fallen and you're experiencing the result of the fall. And remind yourself that God has allowed you to experience the effects of the fallen world we live in in order to teach you about the need for redemption and his abounding love and sending his son so that we could have a way out. And if you're experiencing mourning right now, pain as a result of your own sin, your own doing, with something that you've engaged in right now in your life that you shouldn't have, if that's the case, then confess your sin to God and again, Further remind yourself that this pain is there because God's allowing you to see the devastating results of your sin and your further need of a Savior. And once you've prayed and meditated on these truths during your time of mourning, open up your Bible and read Isaiah 61. It's only 11 verses. Read the whole thing. Remind yourself that right now there is comfort to be experienced in Christ Jesus as you live out his purposes in your life.
and then ponder on how, as we read in Isaiah 61, there are future eschatological and eternal blessings that await those who have knelt before his throne. Isaiah 61, 7, Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. Now, the Word of God is quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, as we know. And so I believe that, indeed, meditating on these truths can certainly turn even a bad day that you're having into a good one. Your mindset will get refocused onto that of the eternal. Your entire perspective on the day might change. (laughs) Yeah, I got a flat tire today, (laughs) but I'm still alive. Thank you, God, I'm still on this earth. Thank you for another day of life. That means you still have more for me to do for your kingdom. Reminding yourself of the spiritual reality. Developing that eternal eternal perspective each and every day. It is so important that we do this. That does indeed give us the strength to move forward. Because mourning is not to last forever. It's not God's will for mourning to last forever. In fact, one day we read that he's going to wipe away every tear from the eyes of those who do come into his presence. And that's going to be eternal. That's going to be forever. And so, no wonder in Psalm 3011, we read, You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord my God, I will praise you forever. I hope and pray that all of you have a wonderful weekend. This has been Mornings with Pastor Adam, everyone, on the West Coast Bible Teacher Podcast. Please share this podcast with someone who you believe might be blessed by it. Check out my website, westcoastbibleteacher.com, and I will see all of you next week. <laughs>